3: and Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. An Erio's
0: original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. The Aftermath. <laughs> Hey, everyone, thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Aftermath. Today, we're speaking with guest expert, Gabrielle Bluestone, Bluestone is a journalist, licensed attorney, and Emmy-nominated producer of the Netflix documentary, Fire. Her recent book, Hype, How Scammers, Grifters, and Con Artists Are Taking Over the Internet and Why We're Following, draws from scientific research, marketing campaigns, and exclusive documents and interviews to explain America's thriving scam culture. Let's hear what she has to say about the Fire Festival. Hi, Gabrielle. Thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. So how were you first introduced to the Fire Festival? And how or why did it catch your attention?
2: Um, Well, I think I was introduced the same way most people were, which was with that viral Instagram campaign and, you know, that fabulous video that made it look like it was going to be the party of the century. And basically, you know, I was intrigued. I saw friends that I knew who had purchased tickets. And I started thinking to myself, you know, am I missing, you know, the event of the year? So I started looking into it. Um, And what I found was when you got off of their Instagram page and actually looked at what they were offering on their website, um, it was like night and day. You know, they didn't actually have any photos of what it was supposed to look like. It was all these artist renderings. You know, it was very underdeveloped and undercooked. And it really seemed obvious immediately that there was something very off there.
0: Could you give us a little background on Billy McFarland, and you know what? What were some of his earlier ventures, and when did he start Fire Media?
2: Yeah, so Billy McFarland um, was a you know he comes off in the documentary certainly as a bit of an awkward guy, but he was someone who was able to talk anyone into anything. Um, And so he started off in college, he was a freshman at Bucknell, and he won a startup competition. Um, And it was for a company that was sort of like a Reddit, Google Hangouts kind of hybrid. Um, And he was able to get, I believe, $30,000 to start that and dropped out of college, launched the site, Um, it never went anywhere. But because he had won this competition, he had this reputation of this, you know, young tech, genius who was able, you know, knew what what millennials wanted. And so he was able to parlay that into a second company uh, called Magnesis that purported to be sort of like a black card for young 20-somethings. In actuality, it was just he had purchased a bunch of titanium and was able to make cool looking credit cards (laughs) for people. Um, And there was supposed to be, you know, a concierge service element to it that quickly fell apart. Um, but because he got good press on that, you know, when he decided to launch Fire Media, he had, you know, New York Post headlines about him and you know, YouTube videos extolling his virtues as a startup, you know, genius. And so by the time Fire came along, he was able to raise $26 million from investors just based on a string of failures. It was a marketing triumph um, and, and a really interesting case study and kind of how that world works.
0: What was McFarland's vision for Fire Festival? <laughs>
2: Great question. It really
0: depends on who you ask and at what point. Um,
2: <laughs> it initially started, so, Fire Media was supposed to be a booking platform for performance artists. So, if you wanted to throw a party and book Jaw Rule, um, ostensibly you could go on this app and book a free date that he had and cut out kind of negotiating with agents and that kind of thing. Um, so Fire Festival was initially supposed to be a way to bring attention to the app, and it was supposed to be kind of an industry-facing event that would, you know, get the artists and their agents and their, you know, entourages um, away of it and into it. Uh, but Billy, you know, really wanted to live that kind of rich kids of Instagram lifestyle that you see so prominently on social media. And so it evolved from this kind of small showcase into we're going to buy an island and fly in, you know, the most famous people in the world and, and have them all watch Blink-182, I
0: guess. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, how how involved were Ja Rule and Jerry Media, you know, in the festival and and the uh, decision making process?
2: Yeah, I mean, Ja Rule was more kind of the celebrity face of it. Um, it's not the most flattering term, but you know, there's this term "useful idiot" that's used sometimes, and that's kind of, I think what his role was he wasn't as involved in like the finances or I I do believe that he wasn't I mean he obviously knew that it wasn't it didn't look like what it was supposed to but I don't know if he knew how badly Billy McFarland was mishandling things. Um, Jerry Media was brought on as a contractor they were hired and and their fee was paid to spread it on social media and you know of all the people that worked on the festival they were probably the most effective um, in the sense that they really got those influencers involved involved and got the awareness out, um, you know, the problem was the underlying product was a fraud.
0: And yeah, and I guess the answer would be Jerry Media, but who was behind the influencer uh, marketing ploy? Uh, what was that plan? And which influencers were involved? How did how much did they spend on it? All of that. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a combination.
2: Um FIRE, the people that worked at FIRE, you know, Billy McFarland and and his team were the ones who got, you know, those really famous names involved that you saw in the video. So Bella Hadid, Haley Bieber, um, those kinds of people. When Kendall Jenner advertised it, that was all through the FIRE guys. And they blew most of their budget on that. I mean, these women have very high uh, fees. And then, you know, posting for social media on top of that, you know, the models were being paid. Paid upwards of hundred thousand dollars, all the way up to a million. Um, Kendall Jenner was paid two hundred and fifty thousand dollars just for one post alone. But the uh, the orange tile marketing campaign that involved kind of four or five hundred lesser
3: influencers,
2: um, yeah, that was a uh, that was spearheaded by Jerry Media.
0: Initially, what were some of the major setbacks for the festival? Had these you know, ha- had they been dealt with right out of the gate? Were they surmountable? You know,
2: that's like the, the million dollar question in all of this. <laughs> um, pretty much every, I'd, I'd say their biggest mistake was uh, they would brag about things that they hadn't actually done yet. And then they were locked into these ideas. So Billy told everyone they had purchased a private island that they weren't uh, able to afford or allowed to purchase. So, so then they were stuck with this, You know, they had been marketing this to everyone um, and anything was going to be lesser. Uh, The fact that they all they could come up with was uh, a gravel pit next to a sandals resort uh, certainly didn't help. Um, I think there are a lot of opportunities for them to either lessen expectations, be a little more honest with their customers. Um, or take, you know, take the hit. Uh, unfortunately they couldn't cancel. That was a big part of it. Um, because Billy had not purchased festival insurance, although he told everyone he had. And so, you know, basically they were kind of stuck in this. We have to put this on or we're all going to be personally liable for this. <gasps> um, so there was no turning back at that point. Um, you know, had they been able, I personally believe in this, this kind of is based on human psychology as well, but I really believe that if some of the more famous influencers had actually shown up or if the bands had actually performed or, you know, if it hadn't rained and the mattresses weren't all soggy, I think some of the people that went might've played along, you know, think about when you've been at an event, you know, if you've gone to Coachella, it's fun, but is it as fun as you are portraying it on social media, you know, I think people don't want to necessarily admit that they're not enjoying something or that they got scammed. And so had they done a slightly better job, you know, it might be, you know, Fire Festival, Two might have happened.
0: Wow. So what was happening financially behind the scenes? When did he uh, McFarlane start running low on cash flow and what was his backup plan? Well, almost
2: immediately, uh, they had been chartering private jets and you know flying down with models to like scout locations and that kind of thing uh, for months before they even filmed anything. You know, they were really using that money to fund the kind of lifestyle that they wanted to sell their ticket sellers. but by the time it came time for the actual festival, there was no money left to put it on, um, and so you saw Billy McFarlane doing these increasingly desperate cash grabs. Um, He got actually pretty close with Comcast before they started doing due diligence and saw that it was like a total fraud. Um, But one of the most damning things that he did was just a few weeks before the festival with like no money left. um, He secured a deal uh, for factored receivables. So he basically got an investment based on money that people would be spending at the festival. Um, So, you know drinks, money, uh, what they were spending on buying tables, that kind of thing. Uh, And to secure that, what he did was he abruptly made the festival cashless. So all these people who had already purchased tickets, who were booked on flights, had no way out, um, were now being told that they had to preload these RIFD bracelets with a certain minimum amount of money. And uh, it was a disaster because there was no Wi-Fi and there was no way for them to actually scan these bracelets. But the fire team needed the money right then and there or the whole thing was going to collapse. So uh, people started loading money onto the bracelets. You know, it was just like one one last little stick in the back before it all came crashing down.
0: And, you know, as the clock's running out, the festival's coming up. McFarland employs a a bunch of uh, local contractors to build some sort of semblance of a festival. Um, did they have any idea what they were getting themselves into? Uh, no, I
2: don't think so. You know, Billy certainly, you know, had his shady moments, but he was someone who had come down to this Island and spread a lot of money around on his own. And so I don't necessarily know that they had any indication, um, that he was out of money, uh. Certainly, they. Had, I think they had hired, you know, hundreds of locals. Really, they were the ones that got it to where it was. They were moving sand. They were putting all the tents together. They were, you know, any anything that you saw in the documentaries or in any of the images that went viral, that was put together by locals. That was not a fire uh, production, per se. And, uh, you know, they suffered pretty badly, at least initially. Um, no one got paid uh marianne roll the woman who ran the restaurant who uh, was featured in the netflix documentary i think paid like upwards of fifty thousand dollars of her own money trying to make people whole because she felt a responsibility having helped recruit people in um there was a gofundme after the documentaries came out that i think um, went towards paying a lot of the people back but i remember reading there was a story in a local bahamas paper about um, someone who had You know, spent a month working on it, who their electricity was cut off, like they weren't able to pay anything in their home, like they were, they were real, people were really financially um, affected on all levels, you know, investors who lost their retirement savings down to the locals who didn't have lights for a month.
0: Once the festival date arrives, when do attendees start to sense that things are not what they had been promised? Yeah. So it actually, it took a minute um, because the fire
2: team was smart enough to send them initially to this restaurant that was very picturesque and kind of exactly what you would imagine when you say I'm going on a luxurious Bahamas vacation, right? It, It was a beachfront bar with, you know, a beautiful surrounding and a swing in the ocean. And so the first few buses and planes of people went there. Um, and it was only until, you know, a few hours in that they're like, they're pouring tequila in our mouths and we still have no idea where our luggage is or where we're staying. That people started to realize something was amiss. And at a certain point, you know, the fire team had to take them to the lodging, you know, and I, I use that word liberally, if you've seen what it looks like. Um, <laughs> And, and, and there's a very famous scene in the documentary where people on the bus start to pull in and, and you can hear the shock and disbelief in their voice. Like this is, this is what we're doing. This is where we're staying. So as soon as people saw it, it just fell apart.
0: When does he call it quits? And when does the, you know, when do people start wrapping up the festival?
2: Yeah, I, I, I forgotten the exact timeline now at this point, but I believe it wasn't until the next day. Um, So they had all these people there staying there overnight. And um, they were, the fire team was working overtime trying to keep it going. And they, their effort, I mean, there were people that were trying to help the concert goers, but the, the brain trust, you know, like the executive leaders, um, their focus was on the media and on trying to convince people back in the States that everything was going okay. So they were working the phones, giving interviews to everyone, um, really trying to keep it going. And the funniest part of all of it to me is even when they finally canceled it the next day and and promised to get everyone out and eventually did get everyone off the island, um, (laughs) they were already pitching Fire Festival, too. They were telling people, um, you know, we can either give you an immediate refund or we'll give you three VIP tickets to next year's Fire Festival. It really was kind of incredible.
0: <laughs> now, looking back, are there any, or, or I guess now in the present, are there any kind of laws or restrictions set in place to prevent something like this from happening again?
2: You know, it's, it's, the onus, unfortunately, is really on the consumer. Um, and a fact that I find really interesting is even, you know, Billy McFarland was charged, Elizabeth Holmes was charged. People that pull off scams like this do end up facing legal recourse, but it's usually not for defrauding the customer. It's for defrauding the investor. So even the protections that exist are not for the little people, are not for the people who actually got stuck on the island. So there were, I think, um, class actions. I I don't know the status of them now. One of the attendees opted not to do a class action and won, you know, a $5 million judgment that I would love to see how they figure out how to collect that. Um, but there really isn't, uh, a lot of protection or a way to stop that and even with um false advertising on instagram which is like the most basic thing um there's like no governmental kind of recourse for that um you know they'll occasionally send you know a strongly worded letter to companies that are employing influencers without um identifying them as ads but the influencers themselves don't get in trouble like no one really there's no re there's no uh there's no reason for people to stop because there really doesn't exist a legal framework uh, that protects people
0: effectively right now. What are the odds that Billy McFarland will do something like this in the future? Oh my God,
2: a hundred percent. The the craziest <laughs> detail about all of this to me is, you know, he got arrested and he was facing federal charges and he was out on bail for the fire festival and he launched a second felony scam targeting the original uh, victims of fire. He had created a new company called New York City VIP Access, and he hired someone to be the face of it. And they started targeting their email lists with fake offers to, you know, other cool events that someone who went to Fire Festival might want. So they were offering fake tickets to the Grammys and you know, fake tickets to the Victoria's Secret fashion show and promising Met Gala seats. Like it was it was unreal. The the chutzpah of it all, if if you will. Um, So I have no doubt that he will be back with something bigger than ever.
0: So at the end of the day, if you had to pick one person or thing, it could be a concept that you think is to blame for the fire Festival. Who or what would that be?
2: Um, you know, it's, I, I, <laughs> I don't say this to plug my own book, but it is the hype, you know, and, and that is something that we see across industries, whether it is in the startup world on, on social media, um, you know, even in like everyday business, like, like the idea that things are over hyped. And the fact that we as consumers are buying into the hype without questioning it, um, I think is the most kind of like threatening element of it all. And if
0: nothing else, I hope people come away from this a little more cynical, like a little cynicism really never hurts. Gabrielle, thank you so much for talking to us today. Uh, It's been very insightful.
2: Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Love to talk scams (laughs) anytime.
0: (laughs) We'll have you back for sure. Great. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So, whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online H E L P dot com slash alarmist. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. And fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. How about all that juicy, juicy info, huh?
4: You're <laughs> <stripping> with
0: juice.
4: <laughs> so, uh, no, I mean, it's, it's, it, but she, she was incredible. Great guest. I really, mm-hmm. um, Brought it brought up a couple of things for me. One one early thing she said was that the millennial, like I think the way this guy got into investors was he like he was like I get the millennial, and you know that to me I feel like is like something you get a bunch of old people with money or people who deal with money all the time. They don't know what's going on. If some guy in uh, cool pants comes in the room and he's like, hey, I know what the young guys want then if it's convincing enough, then the investors yeah. are going to go with it. And yes. that's basically and this guy's whole secret sauce.
1: And he won like a competition in school. So yes. they're like, yeah, that's I was That's something voted we most, didn't
0: talk about. Um, right, right. But we kind of
4: talked about it, the mystique and
0: yeah, but I just mean the validity that that competition would have given someone like him. Right. You know, especially in that circle of I'm young and uh, uh, and I know what uh, the the younger people want. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm 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 an old. I'm an old. I want someone with credentials who can prove to me that they know the market that I'm trying to make money on. And you look young and hip and you seem to have had this experience in your past that Proves that you know more than me, so I'm just going to give you all of my money and faith blindly.
3: <laughs> Basically, yes. totally. Uh,
0: I, yeah. It, 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 it he really he really knew how to tap into that.
1: Yeah, and I guess that's hype too. Go harkening yeah. back to to what Gabrielle said Which is we didn't like even there's mention. hype. Yeah, from the beginning to the very end of this thing, there's a lot of selling. You're
4: just yeah. selling like, oh yeah, I can do this. I got this. This is this vision. I yeah. you know. I know all about it. Hype kind of underpins the whole thing. I'm interested to read her book because – or at least just understand what her – how she defines hype and how she sees how it works. Um, I think it's a really, really interesting subject. I also also just want to say something else that like lit a light bulb over my head was that she was like – when you asked her about when did things go really bad or whatever, she was like, well, you know what? She was like, there was a moment in the festival – where it was like, it kind of could have been pulled off. Like if enough bands played and Mm -hmm. if it didn't rain, then suddenly, and then it made me think, oh yeah, like music festivals are a shitty experience. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. if you're like a person who likes that kind of shitty experience, then you like that. (laughs) So (laughs) who's to say you're not getting the product you paid for? So you know what right. I'm saying? It's just if it's weird. raining at
1: Woodstock and you want to jump in the mud and roll around, then you're having a great time That's at Woodstock. Right. If, it's, <laughs> well, if you're not a person who likes mud, then you're not having a good time at Woodstock.
0: <laughs> right? But <laughs> you know, true. and and not to you know, you know, uh, uh, downplay people's love for music festivals. Be you know, you know, maybe we're not music lovers, but I, I see the appeal in a certain way. It's not for me, but I see the appeal. That said, I feel like music festivals are always. A, a, a potential victim of getting like a, for scam artists, like they're a potential vehicle for sure. scam artists, you know, because it's not the first time, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. But I think what's unique about this one is pr- previous music festivals Festivals really focus on the music. I feel like the focus on this was the lifestyle more than it was right. like come and listen to blink 182 or whatever it's like yeah we have some big artists but like you're not really here for the music you're here for the crowd and the ambiance and like the poshness of it all
4: yeah there's something to that for sure i yeah it, it's it's interesting i mean i i i'm not a music festival person but you know look if you get a band to play and they're playing 40 minutes and then another band comes right on like there's an appeal to that it's like you know, you're getting a bang for your buck. And it was like Marta was saying during the podcast, like he was close to kind of pulling it off. I mean, if he got a couple of these bands to play, who's to say you didn't kind of get what you paid for? You're in the Bahamas, you're... Well, Gabrielle mentioned that. And,
0: you know, know, talking about Coachella too, which we have been to Coachella and it was not a, 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 you know, it was not... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I us. remember when you guys for went to that us. back in the day.
4: You guys went to early Coachella, yeah. right? It was not for us, but but people were having a fucking yes, great time.
0: I was looking around and I was like, everyone's having a ball. <laughs> Uh, why mm-hmm. can't i be this person but that's just on me that you yeah, know we, we can get in on you know that thing. that's just i can spiral you know all day long you know from from the second i got in a line to get on a bus you yeah. know what i mean we're
4: not we're not we don't like to wait in line no but the other but thing I wanna, it, well, well gabriel
0: was saying you know they they took them first to like this beautiful restaurant <laughs> you know mm-hmm. it was like first <laughs> stop beautiful restaurant nice.
4: I just have to say, like, listening to her explain that made me think of you guys because Clayton and Rebecca Alarmy, they used to plan our... Um, Harvard sailing team, our old sketch comedy group, they used to plan our vacations, right? And yeah, they vacations. were in charge.
0: They were great. It's great that you me. think work it was trip. a vacation. <laughs> it, a exactly. it was a
4: literal work trip. That means we did trip. a good job. We
3: did a
0: great job. <laughs> exactly. I our work can't believe was a you called it a vacation. <laughs> they used to plan
4: our, uh, shows that we would play at, let's say colleges or out like, of whatever, town out work. Out of town. So, is, but they the would logistics. take care of all of the logistics and it just made me. Like, there would be time that was allocated for sound check. There was time allocated for run throughs. We had time to check in. We had time to travel. And it was all accounted for, for by them. And so, thank you guys for doing that. But it, to me, like, just the idea that he just was like, all right, send everybody to the restaurant for now. And they had no, like, real hard and fast logistics planned out for what happened afterwards just sent like a rough shiver down my spine that like he's yes. just scrambling. He's just scrambling oh. to grab money and he's got no logistics worked out. So I, was I thought we thinking could have put about- up lack of logistics or, or no oh respect for logistics.
1: I was thinking about her talking about just all of that, how they were using the money that should have been used for this to just like, you know, kind of bankroll the lifestyle that they were trying to sell while they were planning the festival. And it was like, to me, I kept thinking like, this is like a family, who decides to take a vacation but like the five-year-old gets the checkbook and he gets to plan everything and it's like he's of course going to order like extra ice cream and like video games but like he hasn't thought about bathroom breaks and where they're going to sleep when they get to disneyland and how they're getting to disneyland from the airport you know it's like all a mess
4: oh that is the perfect analogy uh that is amazing i also want to shout out To um, something else that uh, Gabrielle mentioned, which is the RFID bracelets. Mm -hmm. My dad Mm -hmm. runs Mm -hmm. a company that sells RFID scanners and software. Mm -hmm. And it would be so funny to him that they sold the bracelets and they had no scanners. (laughs) (laughs) Should be a package deal. Should be a package deal.
0: And it has to go with Wi-Fi. I mean... And there's no (laughs) Wi-Fi. There's no Wi-Fi. It, 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 so like you take away these... a scanner and you take away Wi-Fi from a, an RFID bracelet and that's just, just a piece a, of plastic? A beam, with a beam, radio like, frequency just I don't be- know what being emitted to nothing.
4: <laughs> it's just a fundamental misunderstanding of how these things work.
1: <laughs> i was curious about when she said that there was no uh uh festival insurance oh and my they god personally liable which is like a huge scary now red flag v- that sh- i was wondering
0: shivers down my spine <laughs> yes.
1: is that even le- like w- was that possible no. because they were in exuma like you can't throw a festival in the U S without having insurance would be my guess, but maybe I am just, well, oh, good question. It, it
0: probably, yeah. I wonder if the, what are the checks and balances behind that? It seemed like he needed to, the, the festival had to go th- uh, through. They had to go through with the festival. Otherwise that he knew they were screwed.
1: Right. But I'm, my point is you, I don't think you can even start to organize a festival
0: well, I mean, who, it I depends who's checking, the right? I right, guess exactly. it. It, it yeah, all depends that, on the state. That's interesting. Um,
4: I would have to fact check that, and I'd send that to one of the to one of the guys or gals in my on my team to get that situated. Um, <laughs> I don't usually do a lot of fact checking during the. No. Uh, it's true. I don't mean to put you episodes, on the spot, but yeah. I can look into that. But it's interesting because you wonder if that was a reason why some of these performers just were like, "I we can't do this." You don't have any right. insurance. Like, who's liable here? Like, mm-hmm. what? What if something goes wrong? Yeah. I mean, well, what if uh, somebody steals our guitar, our instruments, whatever? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I, I, he's. I wouldn't put it past him to just lie about it. And make up, yeah. you know, come up with well, some fake documents. Yeah. I mean, he li- he lied right. about everything else. And he lied about funds, yeah. you know, for his own company, how much, you know, it, how profitable it was. So what makes you think that he couldn't just like dock up, you know, get some documents and Gosh. put, a, put but, a label on it but like, and say it's insurance?
4: I mean, you guys tell me uh, because, but like... Did this not give you nightmares of, like, <laughs> listening to her explain how he's mm-hmm. scrambling from, like, money to money and, and just c- c- putting out these fires, uh, no pun intended, throughout this, like, as these people are arriving. Does that, did that not, like, I mean, just thinking oh, about yeah. somebody who would live like that. It, we're, spef- it, like, we're specific people. Like for yeah. us, I know
1: it's going to induce anxiety, for, but like, I, I, I can't even understand intellectually how you could exist day to day, knowing you're that steeped right. in debt yeah. and like behind in it's, every sense of it, the way. It,
0: music festivals are not for us. And this kind of lifestyle is just not for us. The-
4: yeah. <laughs> no, it's
1: true. You know,
0: scramble lifestyle. Um, I, I just want to point out uh, that I loved Gabrielle's conclusion to all of this, which was, you know, the hype, essentially, and and speaking directly to the consumer and being like, you have to be more cynical.
1: Mm. And we, yes, we did talk about this, too, how they like on the episode, how there doesn't seem to be a lot of protection for consumers.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
1: that was so and like, it is fascinating to hear like, oh, well, there's only, you know, It was for defrauding investors, like you know, these poor investors who are pouring all of their millions of monies to make more monies (laughs) who are being defrauded, but not the people who are just straight up losing Mm -mm. their money or the workers who are straight up losing their money. And you know, kudos to that GoFundMe campaign for happening to at least reimburse some of it. But it just seems like if we know that the people, the government, whatever you want to call it, doesn't have our back then I agree with her. We have to be much more skeptical and discerning mm-hmm. and about everything we look at.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the internet is just an easy place to get lied to mm-hmm. because you don't have to see. You're not at the store. You're not looking at whatever you're purchasing, like right in your hand. Mm. You're not feeling its texture. It's it's just like a photo of, of right. <laughs> something You know, and you're just send your funds. I promise it'll get to your house at some point. Oh, yeah. Give me your address. Like what?
1: (laughs) I really appreciated what she said at the very top of the interview, Gabrielle, when she said, you know, I was pulled in by this beautiful video. And then they went right to the website and it would quickly. She said Mm. it was so undercooked. You know how it was (laughs) like, oh, there's no images here. They're all renderings like that should be your first sign that you're like, Mm -hmm. wait a minute. Like if you're selling me something and you don't have actual pictures on like a picture format space (laughs) that's what the internet is you're looking at images right yeah
0: (laughs) there were no photos (laughs) (laughs) you know what you know uh speaking of photos and being cynical i live in and and breathe by these you know uh (laughs) principles uh, no no well yes by those principles but also by other customer photos
4: oh yeah of of Mm -hmm. items that's the
0: the first thing i look at you know, um, when, any or, anytime I'm yeah, going yeah. to a hotel or anytime I'm purchasing anything online, I don't want to see your photos, you know. It's
1: without the good lighting. It's yes, like the real w- lighting. <laughs> it's the real. <laughs> it's not staged. It's like Their clothes oh, are, are kind of strewn. strewn on the Yeah, bed. someone's
0: like, like <laughs> dirty laundries on the side and toothbrushes already on the, <laughs> that's what oh, I want to see. That's what I want to mm. see. So um, the
4: consumers are getting smarter, guys. We need to be smarter. We need to be more cynical. Take more do. pictures.
0: No one's no one's taking care of us.
4: Did you um, feel like she changed your mind on our verdict?
0: So Clayton, remind us of what we ended up sending to the alarmist jail and what we ended up slapping.
1: We threw classism in jail. Oof,
0: mm. That's not which diving. was well, <laughs> well. Hear me
1: out, though. Okay, I think classism. There's a there's a direct correlation with. Hype, I think you could say, because hype is upselling something, right? Mm-hmm. It's about something being perhaps better than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, classism is all about like the elite, like we are better than. Mm-hmm. So, I could see I, see, I mean, I could see a similarity between, you know, selling hype and people who are after the hype, right? Being yeah, we slapped. Serial fraudster, Billy McFarland. Right. Mm.
0: Which um, is fair. Which is fair. Um, right. Okay. I, I guess based on your, uh, just, uh, you know, based on that, your your uh, kind of logic behind that, um, I guess you're right.
1: Well, here's devil's, ad- let me just play the devil's advocate <laughs> to myself. Are we blaming the consumers who or- are chasing that? You need to be more simple. Classism, you know, like if we say classism, is that blaming the consumer who is aspiring to that lifestyle? Mm.
0: It's also blaming. Well, it's also giving. You know, telling. It's like reminding us that, like, th- th- there are people out to get us. Essentially, they're going to use mm. that against mm-hmm. us.
4: But I think, right? Yeah, the specific. It's it's almost like the the uh, blank, the sort of underpinning throughout was this classism, right? Because classism showed up in so much of, you know, the Instagram people posting, uh, you know, all the levels of what you could do at the festival. And also this, this, um, this guy and what he personified Billy. So Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, it's, it's interesting, but is, is hype the specific tool from let's say the toolbox that is right. classism is hype the specific tool that made the fire festival such a disaster is maybe the mm. question.
0: I think classism is the 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 underlying problem <laughs> and hype was the tool used mm. to get away with it.
4: Mm. Yeah.
0: So I mean, perhaps we do change it to hype.
4: There's so I mean there's so many ways to kind of like frame this. It's such a uh it's, it's such. It, that's what makes it so fascinating. Here is that, like,
0: so many lessons. So many in things this at one, play. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So, do you think we should change it to hype? Oh you, man, I think I think alarmist, I got to. Too. I think I got to.
1: Okay. Because I so still gonna- think it
0: still references classism. That's why I like it.
1: Okay, but it's a little bit more direct.
0: No, let's hype. keep classism. Okay. Yeah, and let's let's just. I think we should probably slap hype as well Mm -hmm. as Billy. Okay, we can do that because it was the tool. Okay. All right. So I'll call that hype. Look out. You're getting the big slap. Now, thanks again to Gabrielle for sharing her expertise with us. And I I just, before we go, I got to ask our listeners to go on our page on Apple Podcasts. And give us a, a rate, review, subscribe. You know, I, I don't think we have gotten any reviews or, or any ratings in the last, you know, in, in a bit. And that the only way we're going to be able to continue all, to make all of these episodes is through your support in in that way. <laughs> Cre- I guess creating hype.
4: <laughs>
1: right. Are of we this asking as like, our
0: listeners for hype? I think we're asking yes. that.
4: Yeah.
1: Go ahead, Clayton. <laughs> Think of this as like, this is the spring, fall, whatever drive for like your local NPR station. It's like, you know, this is free content that we are providing for you and we are doing our best to provide it. And all we ask is that, you know, maybe this is the time where you have a few minutes to make that review. And and we would be so grateful for that. And it, you know, it all helps in the greater effort of bringing you these events so that we can all live and learn and not make these mistakes in our future and let me That's tell you right. something
4: guys if we get enough reviews if we get enough likes online maybe we'll get big enough that we'll be able to put together a little alarm because maybe <laughs> we get it maybe we get oh, it'll maybe be... we get an island maybe oh, this we... is your favorite disaster <laughs> terrible don't do that <laughs> we could get we could yeah we could have it at a convention center or a little island Clayton somewhere will plan it. we'll sell wristbands <laughs>
0: with with
4: rfid uh
1: trust
0: me you want to be invited to this if clayton's planning it right
1: we're, let's, we're gonna have to really hype up this event right yes, <laughs> yeah exactly
0: yeah 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 we'll get all of our our hundreds of uh hundreds of followers too.
1: Mm-hmm. We'll <laughs> to put a a a,
3: a,
0: a uh, an alarm, me uh, uh, like alarm. It's a visual of an alarm on their social media, and it's just going to link you to Alarmicon.
4: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and there's <laughs> nothing stopping us. And it's up to you to basically figure uh, out if you would have fun at this thing or not. No. We're, I we're bet
1: just, you Billy McFarland could really uh, sell this idea yeah, to millennials. I bet so. God. Once he gets out of jail. No.
0: Okay. No, we're not doing that. But seriously, uh, we really uh, appreciate all of uh, your support and could use it. Well, thank you, everyone, and thank you, Clayton, thank you, Chris, thank you, Gabrielle, and uh, tune in next week, because we are going to be discussing the death of Owen Hart.
3: ERIOS Powered
1: by ACAST